Welcome to Life, Art, and the In-Between with Felice, Shelley, Michelle, and Clem. Welcome to our podcast. And we are back for podcast number two, um, Benny Creative House. Ooh. Hello, everybody. Number two. Hello. Yeah. Hello. Hello and it's lovely. And we had fun. And Clem, we have a brand new, brand new subject this week. What are we doing? Yeah, well, today we're going to be talking about pivoting, mm. which is something I guess everybody can relate to right now. So that's our second subject. Yeah, everyone's kind of trying trying to do their own pivot, right? Figuring out how to react, how to change, how to get things going. Um, and I'm really excited to meet this guest this week, especially um, him being a good friend of Celisa's. Yeah, so like um, Shelly said, we, when we talked about this topic, I thought pivoting. Who comes to mind? Um, my friend Joel Steingol, who's an amazing actor, voiceovers. He does all kind of stuff, but his life in general is pivoting, like in such positive ways. He's done so, so many beautiful things with his life. Um, he's created created so many new avenue, avenues for him, even how he vacations. So I'm really excited for him to be here today. Again, welcome Joel Steingol. Joel, thank you so much for doing this for us. Um, it's so, I'm so glad you're over here. We wanted to get somebody from the Cross the Pond, so I'm so glad you're our <laughs> first uh, guest for that. I think it's perfect. Um, and I, as you know, we're going to do a, a segment called The In-Between. Okay. So it's a segment where uh, we you actually asked us the questions um, about a topic, and we decided today it was pivoting because gotcha. that is, you know, what our last uh, project was, and it's also what people are doing during this time, and also... I think you are so creative in your life and you're an inspiration just in the way you live it and the way you're creative and the way you just, you really um, maneuver the space of life is really beautiful. And I think people can really come out of this inspired to just explore their lives. So thank you for being here. Yes. Thank you for having me. This is a lot of fun. I think we're going to start with uh, kicking it off with one of your fantastic questions that you have brought with you, Joel, if you don't mind. Sure. Out question number one. Yeah, question number one. This is a, I love this uh, topic because I think pivoting is is so important because things are just going to come at you in life and you can't just you know barrel through it. Sometimes you got to pivot, go left, go right, spin, move. Um, but I would say, or I would ask, uh, what's been your toughest pivot during COVID? Mm. The toughest pivot for you, the one that was hardest to make. Mm. Um. I love the fact that you said toughest because that acknowledges that there were many points of pivoting. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, because I'm a mother and uh, my daughter is in school, um, having her homeschooled, staying home, and she's only six, um, it it wasn't hard from the standpoint of her uh, being happy to be homeschooled. But for me, it was a very big pivot in that I felt pressured to ensure that I was schooling her correctly. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I needed to ensure that I wasn't going to in any way disrupt her learning. Mm-hmm. And so for me, going from being a creative to becoming a teacher was a massive uh, pivot. Mm-hmm. I can imagine. Um, I think for me, I think it was uh, balance because you're like at home constantly. So like, and usually when I come home, to my mom's I just am with my mom but then I had to try to figure out how to balance like I don't know like doing my work 
and then being with my mom because I couldn't all do it with my mom. So I think it's a balance. But what's so beautiful about that for me is I feel like it's helped me with life in general because I do need to balance more because I tend to work more than I, you know, as Joel knows, he's always trying to get me to go on holiday. <laughs> Michelle and Clem? Go, Michelle. I think uh, obviously a little bit different to the States as we were locked down a little bit longer. And in our industry, um, the biggest pivot was um, everything immediately stopping, whether it was on stage or whether it was TV or film sets, just closing. And there was no template for this emergency situation. So as my everyday job is managing, um, it was understanding how to pivot from silence to give clients some kind of assurance and try to make, make a way through. Um, and and that was very odd because I'm very sure and it was very unsure. So and it went on for a long time. So that was a big pivot. Have you come? Yeah, I mean, for me, normally I'm traveling so much. So I spend most of the time away from home. So actually being home has been the biggest pivot. You can ask my wife and my kids that they're like, yeah, so it's, it's how do I negotiate actually being around all the time. So that was a little tricky, I guess, at first. Now they're used to me. But before they were like, when's that leaving? So that was cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, even my, even my wife is like, Oof, you're still here. Um, so that was that was a little bit tough. But what I've discovered is I was telling them before is I actually love being at home so I can because I'm a composer. So it's great. It's absolutely it's been that part has been great. But it took an it took an adjustment, not for me, but it was adjusting more to the family and them to me. I like that more. You are adjusting more to them. That's interesting, though, that you're adjusting to your own family, eh? Because yeah, <laughs> you know, you speak about not being at home, and that you had to make an adjustment to actually being in your house at home. Oh yeah. And a lot of people are talking about uh, during this time, the lockdown has brought them closer to family or the complete opposite. Mm. Um, but I feel like it's a really enriching time for many because it gives you some enlightenment on the type of person that you are with regards to being home and your home life. Joel, can we throw that question back at you? Yeah, I think I'm, I'm a really gregarious type person. I'm a big people person. I love connecting with uh, my friends and my family uh, physically, ideally. Um, but you know, sometimes on the phone if I have to. So I think the with the quarantine being put in place, that was probably my toughest pivot was not being able to like you know go to gatherings, go to concerts, hug people, uh, spend time with groups of people. So that that was a really tough pivot for me, which because I I don't spend a ton of time by myself. Uh, I feel like just enough to kind of recharge and just kind of recalibrate the brain, and then I'm boom, I'm back out hanging out with friends. So that's been the toughest for me, but I've figured out a way. I mean, luckily living in California, you know, we have such a big outdoor lifestyle. At least it's accessible for you, you know, if you want it. But, you know, being able to hike with friends outdoors, you know, staying physically distant and doing different things outdoors has been the, you know, the, I guess the, the way or the method for me to still stay connected enough and not, you know, suffer from any real you know, heavy mental health or anxiety of just not being able to connect with people. So I think that, that was the toughest and it's still a little tough, but like I said, I've figured out a, a balance of, you know, a, a way to do it safely. So are you, were you isolated on your own then? 
that's that's the tough that's the toughest thing i think early on you know when we didn't know much about it and we kept you know we were getting the information hour by hour day by day i was you know pretty much locked down solo mm -hmm. dolo um and it was it was a little extra tough because i was coming out of a relationship and was subletting at a friend's um micro apartment we'll say so the walls kept getting a little closer and a little closer and uh i remember going to the supermarket or going to costco which you know for those across the pond who may not know what that is it's a big warehouse surplus wholesale store to get you know everything from clothes to groceries or whatever so i would literally just go and walk the aisles as my form of entertainment just looking at people, looking at everything they had to sell. Oh, I didn't even know they had this here. Mm -hmm. uh, like I said, just going to the grocery store and uh, and then getting out, like I said, taking hikes and walks and, and runs and doing some outdoor exercise. But I would say that first, probably the first two months of uh, quarantine, I was pretty much by myself. That's hard. I, I That's would hard. interact with a person here or there, but it was yeah. pretty far few between. I mean, the friends that I have, have said that are on their own, that's been the hardest part, you know, because mm -hmm. you're you're with yourself twenty four seven, and you're mm -hmm. you, and if you're a gregarious type like yourself, you want to be out. It's tricky. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean, at least at least with technology, I will say this happened at a good point in technology. At least we have the you know the ability to FaceTime and video chat with people. So at least there was a a form of connection where you could you know see facial expressions and you know be a part of someone else's life, whether they were out. And about and could FaceTime with you. So that was a nice way to connect. So I felt like, you know, it's definitely one of those times where you want to, you know, utilize as many, you know, technological advances to your to your benefit to yeah. be able to connect and, and still stay, you know, connected with people. It's interesting that idea of connection, because you kind of spoke about that when you spoke about touch. Um, because this idea of touch in the physical sense, um, being a physical practitioner, in the absence of touch, it has a very psychological kind of impact on our beings. Mm -hmm. When babies are born, you have that thing of being skin to skin, mm -hmm. and that's always for a reason, because touch is really important with regards to emotions and how it shifts and changes your energy. Um, so for me, because I stayed fairly isolated, when I did start to go out and when I did start seeing people, a big blockade was not being able to touch them. You know, mm -hmm. some of my best mates and I was like, oh, I can't actually physically embrace you. I can't actually physically touch you. And, you know, Jamaicans, we're very tactile. We love to touch people when we're talking and poke you. Um, so it really has made a huge change, I think, in human interaction. And you're very right with the technology. You are able to connect, but the connection is so different yeah. in comparison to being in the physical kind of realm. Yeah, it definitely feels like you're getting about half the experience. You know what I mean? But I guess it's better than better, better than, than none. Than. Better than just mm -hmm. hearing somebody. On the, I mean, imagine if this happened in 1982. You know what I mean? We'd just be you'd be out. You just talking be out. on the phone. You'd be That's talking it. on the phone. Well, you'd be trying to ring that phone, but it'd be busy. I'd right? Be like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> what? We're busy signal. I can't remember the last time I heard that. And then you'd have like eight channels to watch. You'd really be going crazy. Could you imagine? <laughs> Can't binge anything. You just up late night watching Lou Rawls telethons, <laughs> watching infomercials. Do y'all even know who Lou Rawls is? Do you know who that is? Of course we know. You'll okay. never find. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Should we take question number two? 
Sure. Uh, question number two. Uh, have you learned anything from a COVID pivot move that you think will stay with you beyond this epidemic? So after this epidemic is over, are there any pivots that you've made that you intend on sticking with? Mm. For sure. <laughs> so, um, I'm a movement director, choreographer, dancer person, um, but I've always written the background. And because of this, uh, like Michelle said, with my industry kind of being locked, it's uh, forced me in a nice way to to take time with my writing. Mm -hmm. And so I've been writing a lot and definitely um, it has rekindled that fire that I have for writing. And I intend to continue writing post uh, COVID and post uh, this pandemic. Um, and it's really exciting for me because I think that I am ready and the pandemic allowed me to take the moment to realize that I am ready. So that's mine for me. That's great. Mm. Nice, Shelly. Anybody else? Well, I'm, I'm, mine is similar to Shelly's, I guess, because um, being home, I'm a composer. That's what I keep calling myself, but I never have the time to compose properly. Although, I mean, I've been always writing, always writing, but never enough. So this, this um, lockdown has given me loads of time to write. And initially I was like, oh, so now I've got the time, what's gonna come out? But it's really crazy. Creatively, I've been pouring it out. So it's been very, very exciting. And I want to continue, and I realize that's what I want to do more than anything else. So that's yes. my, that's my um, change, yeah. Yes, Clem. You know, I think mine, it's interesting. Mine hasn't been a creative shift, although this company, I hope to for sure hope to continue that. I'm excited to see where it's going to go. But I think it's me. I, I, I think it has for me given me clarity. I think that, you know, I, you have to take care of yourself, you know, and you have to um, make sure you're okay. And, you know, and so I think those are the things that I've, take time for yourself. Like even for me, taking time to look at the nature and how universe or God or whatever you believe in, like it's showing you every day, the possibilities. I don't know, just little things like that. Like I'm really enjoying that. I'm actually just, like I said, just taking care of myself and pausing and just really being present. You know, I'm present, but most times not for myself. I realize that. And so that's what I'm, I know that I'm going to take back into, uh, the, the, that's a nice pivot for me that's happened in COVID. That's what I'm, for sure. Um, I think for me, um, it's this company, because this company formed um, at the height of uh, the pandemic in the uh, just at the start of the summer. And that's a big pivot um, for me. And um, I'm really proud already of what it stands for. Um, I think um, for me, I've really missed music, live music. I've made an absolute vow to myself. I'm going to see so much more than I did. And I saw a lot before, but, um, you saw a lot. But, but How much more are you going to see me? I'm going to get the most bougie ticket in the best festival hall <laughs> and sit there and let classical music wash over me and then cry my eyes out. That's what I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. But the company, yeah. the company. What about the, what about you? What was your pivot you want to keep? Oh, the pivot I want to keep. Um, I'm I'm an actor, and most of the work that I do, I do a lot of voiceover work. So I do audiobooks, narration, commercials, promos, um, kind of. I mean, live announcer stuff. And 
right at the top of the pandemic, I um, invested in the sound isolation boots since I, you know, I could tell that we were all going to be working from home. Wow, we mean voiceover artists. And so I love, I love this new commute. Got about 12 paces <laughs> from my bed to my booth. So I like, and I, I like the autonomy that it gives me being able to work from anywhere in the world, you know, as long as I have a, you know, a quiet environment to record in. Like, um, I just went home to Detroit where I grew up. Um, and I was there for nine days and I had, um, three different voiceover jobs and I was able to just work from there. So it's, it's opened up a door where I'm like, I don't feel tethered to Los Angeles as much. I love it here. Uh, but I do just like, I love freedom. I love options. I love feeling like I can, you know, go here, go there. But I mean, I felt, you know, I guess rooted in LA because this is how I make my money. But now with things being so remote, uh, I can be anywhere on the planet. So, you know, I've started to think, I don't think I'll actually do it, but I just love the idea that I can. I love the idea of, you know, being, being able to be curious and then also have the ability to see it through. So I'm like, mm, if I wanted to, I could just move to another country where the American dollar is really strong and <laughs> and just do voiceover and be there maybe for a year or two. I don't know, but I love having just that option to think. You know what I mean? It's just another door that if I choose to, I can, you know, twist the knob and enter the door if I want. So I, I do want to keep that, the ability to be able to have that freedom to be anywhere on the planet and, and work. I mean, that's a, that's a true blessing and a gift. So I definitely want to keep that. I mean, I, recording and the sound books and all that stuff is, is actually the perfect thing to do in the, in these times, isn't it? I mm-hmm. mean, so that means your work never dried up, did it? Never. It, it increased. I've never worked this much for voiceover. Crazy. Yeah. I've, I, this is the most amount of work I've ever had. So give thanks for that then. Truly. And, you, and, and Joel, t- t- can you mind telling everyone how you got into that whole voiceover work? Uh, yeah, I started, I mean, I moved to LA 19 years ago and when I was finishing up college in Detroit, I started doing some voiceovers locally. Then I came to LA, I had my homemade voiceover demo. It got me nowhere. It took me six years to get an agent, but I finally got a voiceover agent. And then that was a process of like really building my reputation out here. And uh, the very interesting thing, I learned a huge lesson in perception. So I'll try to make this quick. No, uh, my birth name is Joel Damani Steingel. My mother's Jewish, my father's black. In the voiceover world, most of these people don't see your face when you're auditioning. But you slate your name at the beginning of the audition. So you slate your name and then you read whatever material you're auditioning with. Most of the stuff I audition for, if you hear my voice, you probably can tell that I'm a brother. I'm a black man in America. So most of the stuff I read for is, you know, urban, African-American, black, uh, open ethnicity. And with a name like Joel Steingold, it kind of throws people off. So I was like, you know what? Some people who are culturally aware may go, this name sounds really Jewish but we're looking for a black male voice to read this McDonald's commercial. I'm confused. Is he doing black voice? <laughs> I get to the, the, the vocal version of blackface. But I was like, anytime you take you, anytime you take someone's focus away from just listening to your work, you've lost them. So right. I changed my name from Joel Steingold and used my middle name, Damani. And then now I use Damani Jackson as my voiceover name. And mm-hmm. I, in my career took off 
voice oh, wow. no yes. oh it's i didn't a, even know that that's crazy yeah it's 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 a crazy lesson in perception perception is reality so oh, wow. there was i just took out the guessing game of like i wonder is this guy black or what and like it thir- maybe I'm thir- black 35 increase in bookings what and, is this? yeah wow just from the change in the name just from the yeah i mean i can't imagine that my talent changed just because i decided to change my name i mean <laughs> it, it was it was within weeks I could I noticed the difference. So, uh, so my voiceover path has been I guess kind of unconventional, and I had to, you know, really assess my talent level. I mean, my name. There's a lot in the name, and but since then it is you know I've been able to do so many different things in the voiceover world. So yeah, Joel Steingold can't get a job in, in wow. voiceover, but Damani Jackson is working. Yeah, okay, <laughs> Joel, can I can I put you on the spot? Sure. Can I can I ask you to um, let us hear your your voice? You listen. You listen to it. <laughs> is it just is it just you? There's no kind of like you don't do anything different with it. Oh yeah, depending your voiceover on, work. Depending on what the voiceover job is, you know what I mean. You know, I you know, yeah. Depending on the client, like yesterday, uh, I had an um, a job called an ADR job, audio dialogue replacement. Uh, so I had to revoice an actor in a movie. So okay. there's a movie coming out called The Jade Earring. It's a Warner Brothers movie. And there was a basically a character where you just see his first person perspective in several scenes in the movie. So you don't really see him. And they initially hired a stunt guy who you saw his face briefly, but they just they wanted a different performance or a different sound. So for that job, I came in and they wanted something like a little more, you know, rough and gruff. So like, what was that? You know, he was a little more gravelly. It was, you know, kind of in here when we talking, you know, I put the bag down in our hotel room and that's, that's where I left it. Uh, it was that kind of thing, but you know, Great. also I do things with my voice. Like I knew they wanted that. So I kind of thrashed my voice up a little bit to give it a little bit more rasp. So, you know, cause yeah. it's a really incredible skill set um, to have. Cause I have a friend who does it as well. And, and people I think don't realize the gamut of the things that you do. Um, so do you also find that you have to treat, obviously, your vocal cords um, really well, uh, yeah. depending oh, on yeah. what you're doing? That's a, yeah, it's a moneymaker. Yeah, I mean, I have lots of lozenges and sprays and teas, <laughs> you know, depending on the job. But yeah, there's a, there's a lot of variety, you know, promo voiceover stuff is very, you know, intense. It's like next Thursday, Astros <laughs> versus Dodgers, tune in, <laughs> that kind of stuff. So he goes from that, you know, to McDonald's, we're like, yo, I woke up this morning and I wanted a biscuit from McDonald's. <laughs> it, 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 yeah, it, it, I'm. I get to code switch. I like the term code switching, so I get to yeah. code switch on a regular. Yeah. Okay. Well, I want to switch. Can on I you. just quickly ask you? Um, do you do audio books as well? I do. Yeah, I've done a few audio books. Yeah, oh, that's cool. How is that? I, it's it's cool. It depends on the book. The I mean, book, I've right? done. Yeah, I've done some books where I'm like, oh, this is this is ghetto. This is, <laughs> what's going what, on? What's happening? I'm not even gonna say the titles of them, but don't, don't say the titles. It, yeah, you could. It's like you know, your auntie and your cousin. I'm like, girl, you read that book? <laughs> it's like you. It probably is on sale next to like the brown sugar pantyhose at the liquor store, right? You know, and a and a bag of Funyuns and hot chips. Uh, <laughs> they don't even probably know what Funyuns are. Do you guys know what Funyuns are? We know. Well, I know what Funyuns is. Yeah. No. Like, yes, we always have this game like when with with Celise and us, British yeah. versus American stuff. British, but, um, they don't know. They don't know what Funyuns is, Charles. I don't know Funyuns. I know the chips. Yeah, it's yeah. Okay. All, all the chips are different. 
They're like they're like sponsored by Funyun. Ring, they're rings. They're like onion rings, but they're Funyuns. Why are they called Funyuns if they're onion rings? I don't know. They're fun to eat. Funyuns. That's terrible. Um. Yes. Okay. So we're going to go into question number three, if that's all right, Joel. Sure. Is there a difference between your definition of a pivot and a parlay? Is there a difference between your definition of a pivot and a parlay? I like that word. Is there a difference between your definition of a pivot? Even in you asking that question, I'm like, oh, right. Because you know me, I'm all about mindset. Everything Mm -hmm. is about the mind. It's It's how you look at it. I'm like, oh, right. Just look at it as a parlay. I don't, I don't, I don't even know what parlay means. What you mean? No, that's a, all right. Guess we can start well, with our, our definition of what we, what we think what it is. is. What does that mean, parlay? I think a parlay means when you you take something and you're able to find uh, a greater benefit in whatever it is I give you. So if I give you, let's here's a, I guess a simple example is a, a ticket scalper. You give him a ticket. It's like oh, it's a fifty dollar ticket. I can parlay this and turn it into something different. Now I can go and sell it for one hundred and fifty dollars. So it's taking something and maximizing it right. getting the getting the most out of it or or multiplying the value of that thing well there's the answer because um a parlay is much more positive then isn't it if but it's the pivot's the same thing really if yeah, you're given a situation what do you do with it you have to change you're direction moving, you're moving to another situation but that's that doesn't mean to say you're maximizing the situation but you should it? be though that's the whole thing yeah but then you parlay you don't <laughs> So yeah, it's it's a gambling term. It's just turn an initial stake or winnings from a previous bet into a greater amount by gambling. So yeah, it's just increasing the value of something. Right. Right. So pivoting doesn't necessarily increase the value. It's a change, and it's a good change. Mm-hmm. Right. It could just be a survival mechanism. It could That's you you right. could keep it on the same level, however you quantify it. But a parlay is like oh. Now I have an opportunity to, to do this. this a, yeah, level up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. So I'm I'm a parlayer. All right. <laughs> Look at that. We've already evolved, people. Yeah, I think Benny <laughs> Creative House, we definitely for the parlay. Yeah. And it just sounds better to say, right? Doesn't it? That's what I say. It feels like, you know. I feel fancy. I feel like I should have a collar on right now. <laughs> Mish, Mish, what do you think about the parlay? Because Mish quite liked this this term of pivot. Because at the start of lockdown, when I brought up the 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 term pivot to you, Michelle, you were like, "Pardon, mm-hmm. <laughs> pivot what?" So now you have a new term, parlay. So is it parlay or pivot for you? Parlay, baby, parlay, parlayed all the way up. But I think also realistically, or, or serious for a second, I think I think the pivot comes before the parlay. So I think I think both mm. can happen. You mm. have to pivot before you parlay. You know you what I mean? Pivot and then you choose to parlay. Exactly. Yeah. What you gonna All do right. with it? Yeah. I've gotten like some nice tidbits from this. I'm gonna keep um Celise, you said the pivot I wanna keep. That's what you said earlier Did to I? Joel's question. Oh yeah, and I wrote it down. So I'm gonna do what's the pivot I wanna keep? I'm gonna get a shirt. And then I'm also gonna put parlay in my vocabulary too. Me too. This Loving is- it. Let's get the parlay started. Joel, it's been a pleasure. You are an amazing human being. Thank you so much for being with us on The In Between. 
However, <laughs> we have a little surprise for you. Okay. So I love the way that I make it sound like it's something appealing for you. Uh-oh. But before you go, we're going to do a thing called the Quick Fire Five. Okay. So I'm going to hit you with five quick questions. All right. And you're just going to give me the first answers that come to the top of your mind. All right. Did we get sound effects? <laughs> quick Fire Five! Fire Five! <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right. Quick fire five with Joel Steingold. Off we go. Sausages or bacon? Bacon. Basketball or football? Basketball. I can't do nothing with my feet. So <laughs> not European football and uh, basketball over American football. All right. Soccer. Um, of course he wasn't thinking soccer, Clem. He's American. He's thinking football. <laughs> But I know who I'm talking to. I know my audience. So I heard football. I thought it could have been American football or European soccer. What's your favorite city? New York City. Hey. Okay. Name the most obscure flower that you like that people might not know of. Mm. Oh, it's the official flower of Australia. I'm blanking on the name of it. Um, do, 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 do. Um. Oh, warata, warata. The what? Oh, my favorite flower is the warata flower. It's a beautiful flower. It's the official flower of Australia. It comes in like warata. How do you spell that? You should red, W A R A T A. I think mm. that's how you say it. Mm. Right. Yeah. Oh, right. it's beautiful. Yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful. And I have, I have, I have a, a, a a fun little story. When I first got to um, Melbourne, I was there for a vacation for about three or four days, and I had to wait to check into my hotel and I took a walk and went into this flower shop and uh, I saw the flower and I was like, oh, I was so excited about it. And the woman at the shop just gave me the flower. She was like, welcome to Melbourne. Oh, that's yeah, it, was a, it was a great way to be welcomed into a city. Like, I don't, you just giving it to me? She was like, yeah, yeah, welcome to Melbourne. Oh. I was like, y'all nicer than they are in Sydney. Why do that? <laughs> <laughs> that's beautiful. It is, it is gorgeous though. I can yeah. see where you like it. Um, okay, last question. Mm -hmm. What is something that you won't be doing 10 years from now? Hmm. Yeah, I really like the stuff I'm doing right now. That's hot. <laughs> I'm glad that this is a difficult question to answer. I won't be. Oh, I won't be renting. Uh... Mm. Yes. For sure. But tell them about your, because I was, I was telling them all the stuff you did. I know we're, like I was saying, like you did a, a whole blog of Dating on the Dime, which I thought was amazing that you end up. How did that Dating on the Dime start anyway? It started as a blog. It started a blog. I have, um, I've always been really good at finding creative fun dates. And my ex, like 10 years ago, was like, you should write a book or something like that. And I was like, well, I don't have the bandwidth or the resources to write a book. At that time, it was harder to self-publish. Now it's, you can self-publish and sell it on Amazon. Um, but I started a blog and did that for about a year and wasn't able to monetize it. So I stopped and then picked it back up and turned it into a show a few years ago and started pitching it. And then Steve Harvey show found out about it and then asked me to come on and do a segment called Dating on a Dime. And then that went well. And they brought me back on the show a few more times too interact with Steve and do some fun. Tell, tell him what's a creative date, Joel, that you came up with? A uh, creative date. On um, a dime, on a dime. Because he's dime. very frugal. Joel's frugal. 
Well, I like that, especially. <laughs> yeah, he's like you, Clem. <laughs> Why you got a side eye when you say it? <laughs> okay, you're fiscally responsible. Fiscally responsible. There's a negative connotation with being frugal. Like, no, I'm not going to spend that. Um, but uh, another, I mean, the whole idea behind dating on a dime was being able to do more with less. You know what I mean? So not. It depends on what you want to do. You might have a lot of money, whatever, but you can extend the date instead of spending several hundred dollars. You spend a little less, but just extend it. But I would say uh, a great date on the dime uh, in L.A. at the L.A. County Museum of Art, LACMA. During the summer, they have free jazz outdoors on a Thursday. So you could, you know, bring your picnic, bring your wine, listen to some dope jazz. Uh, and, you know, I feel like you can get as creative as you want in terms of your setup. You know, you can bring candles. You can really make a comfortable environment there on the grass. So you can start there. Then you can go to um, uh, a bar close by, have a cocktail, keep the party going, and then get tickets to UCB. That's more, than a, dime, man. That's more than a dime. No, it's not. It's Listen, he's all, all no, it's not. No, you, you, you bring your own food and wine to the, to the jazz festival so that you get to decide, okay. you know, what you're going to bring. You can bring the cheapest liquor, <laughs> wine. Yeah, you go to Trader Joe's, get a, there's a $5 bottle of wine I had last night, a nice Viognier Chenin Blanc blend. Don't hate. And uh, you know what I mean? Have a good Chenin Blanc. You know, and then bring that and then go grab a drink, round of drinks. Uh, maybe that's $35 with tip. Wow. And then go to UCB. Tickets are $6 for some of the best improv that you'll see in Los Angeles. So yeah, I mean, that whole date, Easily roughly between like fifty and seventy dollars, and you did three things: jazz, went to a bar, and then you went to UCB and heard some great, or saw some great improv comedy. Boom, trifecta. Yep, it's good. That's good. That's impressive, isn't it? You take what you would have spent on a more expensive date, and then you put that into a savings account, and then you start to invest it, and then you have, uh, um, uh, what what is the term? Um, mm, compounded interest, and then over time, all of a sudden. You got real bread. You can take vacations. You know what I mean? And also early on in the dating process, why you spend all that money anyway? You don't even know her mama name. You don't know his daddy name. (laughs) I don't know you. That's right, Joel. Who are you? Sell the people. Because you look cute. Ooh, you sexy. I'm going to go spend all this money. That's not smart. (laughs) When you go to buy a car, do you just go, ooh, that car is is sexy. I like that car. Here's the money. No, you're like, I got to compare it. I need to learn. How does it feel? All that. You do all that when you buy a car. I love it. I think it's so creative. You caught up in your feelings, and and, and then you open up your, your your wallet, and then you're like, "Oh, where my money go? Right? Where she go? Where he go? Gone. That's so it. was your money." Yeah. <laughs> and, and tell yeah. them about because I mean, of course, we know all the your amazing things that you do in film, film, TV, voiceovers, and stuff. But tell them. I want to tell them about your um your being a florist as well because I love that. Oh, that was a definite pivot and a part. Being a florist was a big pivot parlay for me. Uh, it started off as a hobby. I just helped some friends out with the baby shower and then realized that I had, you know, a gift of just putting colors and shapes and textures together. And then I started teaching myself, uh, going to the library, looking at books, online tutorials. And then I would go to like five-star hotels, Four Seasons, Beverly Wilshire, um, different hotels who had, you know, fine flowers and then just try to imitate their arrangements. So early on, I would just mimic what they did. And then I started to come up with my own style. So that was just all self-taught. And it was a hobby that just turned into a a small business. I um, did flowers for a friend's 30th birthday and she had rented out the penthouse at the Roosevelt Hotel, which is like a historically famous hotel here in Hollywood. 
and the events director happened to be there when I was delivering. And she was like, oh, these flowers are great. What shop did they come from? And I was like, oh, it's mine. And she said, well, we could use another florist. Let me get your car. And I didn't have a car because it was just, just a hobby. But then I ran to uh, office supply store, got the, you know, do-it-yourself business car kit, printed it out at home, brought it back to her. And then that was my first client. Wow. And then, um, yeah, at the time I was a little bit of acting. I was waiting tables. And um, uh, that became just, a you know, another source of income. And it was really cool because... It wasn't something that I was looking, I just kind of fell into it. But, you know, I felt really lucky to fall into it. Like my first client was, you know, a major hotel here in LA. And then it just kind of grew from there. But so, so no what longer. Happened the, what happened to the business? Oh, it just dissolved. Okay. Because okay. Acting, acting became full time and I just didn't have the time to, right, right, right. you know, because with flowers, you have to be physically there, hands on. It's something that you can come back to though as well. Yeah, I do it for myself. I mean, because you know, he always is like taking pictures of like he always goes to the f- f- the what, what is it the L A flower L A flower mart the L A flower mart I think is mart. the official name yeah early in yeah the it's the largest wholesale floral district in the country man I'm thinking of going right now how much more long how much more we were, we're done oh we're, no, we're in time no we're done okay. they're about to close they're about to close in a Search for Life, Art and the In-Between wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe. Follow the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at Benno Creative House. Life, Art and the In-Between is a Benno Creative House original production.